Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are way at the beginning of this whole universe, looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, and joining me today again is Steve Sarmento from The Next Reel. Hey. Hey, I had such a great time. I had to come back for more. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. We are looking at Iron Man Minute 43. On today's show, the minute starts with Tony's arrival back at Stark Industries Aviation Division, and it ends with Tony arguing with Pepper about not wanting to go to the hospital. This, uh, as we said, we've got a very brief moment of that final uh, hug between uh, Tony and Rhodey. But really, the minute starts with that giant plane. We've got the Boeing C-17 Globemaster III landing on the runway right there. Which, you know, what do you think? What do you think of that plane for Tony? <laughs> like, well, you know, Tony's ego is big. They probably need a plane that large to carry it. Uh, that's one of those things I thought, you don't think about it, but then you get, the, you see the plane landing. I'm like, okay. And then we get the iconic, you know, sort of the, the, ta- the back end of the plane, the ramp coming down. And I'm thinking, he can't just walk off of a regular plane. You know, wh- where's his personal <laughs> jet? Why this huge thing to, you know, and he's, I, I wondered as I saw this, cause it's, it's shot from behind Tony and Rhodey as the, the door opens and the light comes in and we see them silhouetted. And I'm like, okay, so Tony's sitting in a wheelchair. Is, is that how he flew? It's just like they, they strap that <laughs> wheelchair right there. It's like, okay, buddy. I'm like, I would think Tony Stark would want to fly in style. And so I, I really wanted to understand why this plane, other than, well, it looks good. It looks huge, but I, looked on Wikipedia, and one of the functions of the C-17 is medical evacuation. So I thought, ah, okay, this this is me, not knowledgeable about, you know, military aircraft and how they're used, and this is an actual legitimate function, which would be for medical evacuation. And I feel like this airplane, we've seen many iconic moments of people getting off of these planes in films dealing with military because sure. it creates that look yes. that we do that John Favreau, of course, includes here, which you already mentioned. It's that inside the belly of the plane looking past the silhouettes of our actors as the gates come down and you see them kind of getting off the plane. It is it is a very iconic type of shot to capture with these planes that you'd really don't get if it's just the side door of a plane swinging open and Tony walking out. Oh yeah. Cause you've got, you've got shooting from inside, you've got them backlit. And then when you're shooting from outside, you've got the slow reveal as that ramp comes down. Yes. And, you know, everybody knows that that slow reveal, whether it's, it's that or it's, you know, it makes me think of like rain man coming down the escalator. You've got the slow reveal and it just, it works really well. Again, for me finding that there is factual, you know, real, you know, proof that these are this is how these planes are used again i have to think about there's got to be other stuff that they're that they're bringing back so it's not just just tony i'm sure they're you know being economical and they're bringing back other equipment other other things but again you think it looks yeah. pretty empty it does but you, <laughs> and that's why i have to think why would he why how does everybody is unless that's the way everybody gets in and out of the plane that's the other thing i i was thinking is you know this thing well, is so sure huge it has a side door yeah like even if think? you look uh, uh toward the back end yeah. of the plane yeah or inside you can yeah. see like there's light coming down there where there's sure. some people walking yeah. around like they probably have that side door open yeah <laughs> i've got to say though 
I'm really disappointed in Tony that he didn't ride the wheelchair down the ramp. <laughs> yes. I know. That's Well, that's what I'm thinking is he's got a wheelchair. How did they get that up and in there? And why is he sitting in a wheelchair? Right. Uh, because he, he walks down the ramp and he sees the the stretcher and he's like, what is that? Get that thing out of here. And Rhodey sort of like with a you know slight hand gesture is like, you know, get, get this out of here. Uh, yeah. yeah, Tony's not going to – you would think, you know, all style, like popping a wheelie, rolling that thing down the ramp uh, <laughs> would be the way he would he would want to do it. But exactly. again, his he's got an arm in a sling, so he can't, you know, he can't really steer the yeah, steer, right, steer right, wheelchair. Right. Like and that. this this might be evidence that there was scripted that a bullet got through a crack in his Mark One suit mm-hmm. and and hit him in the shoulder. Yes, um, it's hard to tell if that happened afterward. You see bloody bloody mess on his shoulder. Yeah, but there's no clear evidence that he was shot. And I mean, maybe they were just trying to keep it safer for that PG-13 rating. They didn't want to necessarily yeah. make it too graphic. But seeing his arm in a sling, I think, does kind of allude to the fact that there probably was more injury to that arm than than uh, we had realized. Yeah, we, we get a, a broken Tony coming down. And again, it's it's a simple visual to convey that he's still got some recovery to do everything that he's, he's been through. And it's, it's not just a few scrapes on his, his head. Okay. Armin sling is sort of like universal symbol for someone's been injured, sort of like the celery and a loaf of bread in a paper bag is a symbol that somebody has been to the grocery store. It's just, it conveys information immediately. <laughs> and arm diet. Yes. <laughs> arm in a sling. Oh, they've been injured, but it's not so much that they're, you know, significantly disabled. It, it conveys pain and awkwardness and injury so that they can't, jump right back into everything there. It's got to be something that's going to slow them down a little bit. And it, it does, to me, that's what Armin Sling does is they're going to need some assistance. They're going to depend on people a little bit because they can't do everything by themselves, but it's still, they're able to still function, you know, mentally. He's not in a great depression. He can still, you know, he's got his witty banter as Tony, but it shows us he's going to be taking things a little bit slower. Yeah, and and I do like that here. He plays it well. I think I think the way that Robert Downey Jr. plays it here, being so kind of that that lovably tough exterior that he puts on with Pepper. Yes, and just kind of that adorable. I mean, this is I mean, this is why you fall in love with Pepper. She's so stinking adorable with her kind of red eyes, and as she's watching him come down, that little smile she gives him. I mean, it's just great. And then they instantly get right back into their banter back and forth which i just think is is great i think it works so nicely with these characters and the way that they work together it's just it's a great reaction and i just love her line i hate job hunting yes (laughs) it just it works so nicely um and tony's all business too which is uh, yeah well it says a lot about him for me it's a reminder of sort of where we we start with pepper because later on she's you know taking control of, you know, much stronger position within Stark Industries. And here it's sort of like she's his personal assistant. And there there's still a softness to her in that relationship, whereas as that relationship matures, she becomes a little bit, you know, she's got to become more business. And I agree with you. She is just so adorable in this scene and this interaction between them. It just sets this great foundation that I had forgotten about what they what that sort of like early phase of their relationship was like and to me the the banter between them is just one of those like iconic attributes of this relationship that it, he'll dish it out and she gives it right back to him and it shows you know sort of how they're equally matched in that that she's not going to put up with his his nonsense and she's going to throw it right back at him 
Right, exactly. Now, I did think it's funny because we also have John Favreau in the shot as Happy Hogan standing there next to the car waiting with Pepper in his typical kind of stoic stance that Happy usually has. And and as per usual, he, he doesn't crack a smile at all. He's very Doesn't serious. crack him out, doesn't, doesn't say a word. Well, and that's what's interesting because yeah. I, I thought it was odd that, that Tony doesn't acknowledge him at all. I'm like, that seems odd to not say anything to his his buddy. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, there is actually a scripted exchange that he has um, right after he has this exchange with Pepper as uh, as he's getting into the car. Uh, Hogan, it says, Hogan comes around, holds the limo door open for Tony. Hogan says, good to see you again, sir. Tony, you do something new with your hair? Hogan, wouldn't dream of it, sir. And it's nice to have that exchange. I can see why they, if they shot it, I can see why they cut it. It's, it's yeah. minor. It's not necessary. And really... The, the relationship emphasis that we really focus on is the one between Pepper and Tony. Yes. If we look at it, we're just coming off of sort of, you know, in the previous minute, Tony being reunited with Rhodey and and their interaction with each other. And then we're going to move into Pepper to throw Hogan in there. It just, yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. And it to me, it's really about the reunification of, of Tony and Pepper and what the, the dynamic is going to be and the transformation he's gone through and how she's going to react to that, which we start to get to see uh, at the end. Once we get into the limo and the, as we get the beginning of the conversation of she's, you know, we need to get Tony to the hospital and he's got clearly got some other plans. So to me, it keeps the focus on the interplay between those two and that cut sequence, you know, cut lines with, with Hogan, just, yeah, it just takes up time and it doesn't add anything. So it, it keeps things moving to have that removed. Yeah. And also just, I mean, as you were just talking about with this, this interchange that they're going to have about where to go again, it speaks to how, how much work they continue to do with the script on set and, and finding the right ways to have these conversations because as scripted, all that happens once they're in the vehicle, Hogan says, we're to Mr. Stark. And Pepper says, we're due at the hospital. Tony says, no, to the office. Ah. Then he says, I've been in captivity for three months. And then it goes into stuff that we're, we'll talk about in tomorrow's minute. But it's it's very direct and it's very brief. And the way that they acted out, the way we have a little bit more of that interchange between Pepper and Tony just makes it feel like this is a real relationship. And these two are really kind of having this typical back and forth banter that they that they do and that they should. It works so much better in the film. Oh, yeah. And I think even the line when Tony's talking with Pepper and he says, she's like, I hate job hunting. And he's like, yeah, vacation's over. He's ready to get back to work, but in a way that is very different. And I think that's, you know, continues into that hospital. No, he's, yeah. he's been, you know, where he wants to go next. Uh, he's He's on a very specific mission. And he is all business, and the changes from the script to this keep that on point with where Tony's motivation is and and what he needs to accomplish, where where we're going to go next in the story. Right, right. The next few minutes keeps that moving along versus sort of just what is, you know, sort of moving plot along. But here, to me, it's a little bit more in, in tune with the character and where he's going. And even that, uh, yeah, vacation's over. That line is not in the script. Yeah, it's something that uh, that they clearly added after the fact. Um, and the music that we're listening to, I, I love this swelling music that Ramin Jawadi has composed here. It kicked in in the last minute that we talked about, but it is a track called "Vacation's Over." Oh, okay, works quite nicely for this moment in the film. Yeah, well, and here's the thing: Tony's not, yeah, it, clearly vacation over. He's all business because he's back in a suit. 
we had talked you know in the previous minute about taking you know extreme care to cut the hole in the t-shirt for his the arc reactor <laughs> right, in his chest right. and here we're in a suit and that's again I, I know it's it's disguised and we talked about the functionality of having it exposed and perhaps you know to power the suit and all that here clearly hidden beneath you know dress shirt because first off he doesn't want anybody to know he's not revealing that but again Leads to the question of where 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 does he get the suit? Did, I mean, right. clearly, clearly he had bags <laughs> over there in Afghanistan when he came over. So was it rescue? Okay, we're going to take you back. But first, let's get you tidied up and cleaned up. But again, being Tony Stark and knowing his ego and again, his plans of where he needs to go, which is not the hospital, he would want to be looking looking sharp and dapper yes. because that's who, who Tony Stark is. But yeah, I assume, you know, has a suit on hand or they flew one in or they, you know, <laughs> knowing Tony, like, can we just stop off in Paris on the way? Cause I got to get a suit and then we can head back. Yes. Right. You know, it is funny. It, it's like, where, where did they, I mean, you're right. They probably, he probably had all of his bags still back in Afghanistan from when he first yeah. went over there for this initial presentation that he was doing. And so maybe it was just all sitting there, but again, it was probably sitting on his jet that was probably still sitting over there. So why <laughs> yes. didn't they fly that back instead of this? Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> questions we don't need to ask. Questions we don't need to ask. But they're important questions. <laughs> they are. Because it tells us so much about his character. Right, and, right. You know, why getting him he, in why, a suit. Yeah. Why? Why is he not in his cool jet? Why is he in this C-17? But, yeah, because you would think C-17, it, it does create quite the visual... I don't know, uh, contrast. Because you would think, okay, you're coming in the military jet. They would like, okay, just get him some clothes. Because he's, you know, yeah, he crashed in the desert in his suit. His clothes are all torn up. He'd been in captivity. Get him something. I'd expect him in like camos or something. Just like, you know, like throw a, you know, olive green t-shirt on him or something like that. Because that's what would be around in the, you know, get him on the plane. Get some clothes on him. What's his size? Throw it at him. Let's get him back into the hospital. Uh, the fact that he takes the time to get, you know, suited up, so to speak. Uh, yeah, there's, you would think if there's time for that, there's time for different travel accommodations. So it's an interesting choice. And he's cleaned up. So, yes, it, yeah. you know, why do they need to go to the hospital? Because more than likely in yeah. Afghanistan, they took him straight from the desert to a military hospital where he's yes. already been checked out. Yeah. He's been cleaned up. So why does he need to go to another hospital? Yeah. So it's one of those things that doesn't quite fit when you think about it. No, but it, it works well for the story for, again, to have Tony going rogue. You know, it, Tony's going to do it Tony's way. So although yeah. everybody else thinks he needs to go to the hospital to be checked out, Tony's got something else that he wants to do. No, no, we're not going to the hospital. Tony's going to do what Tony wants. And I think that just, <laughs> again, it, it it's things that are done in service of the character, which ultimately works works really well. Let's throw logic out the window. What would Tony do? Let's let's get these things lined up. Right. So. WWTD. <laughs> <laughs> the only other note that I have is a couple of things about the location. We're at Edwards Air Force Base again, subbing for his aviation division. 
And the C-17 that lands is not the C-17 that we see them getting out of, at least according to the the number on the tail. They didn't even take the time to digitally change that to, to clean that up? You know, honestly, the, the, the plane that's landing... No one's going to notice. It's such a short shot, and yeah. you really have to look at it. And it's kind of, it's not very clean. It's it's really hard to look at yeah. and pinpoint exactly what the number is because it's, you know, kind of that shaky camera that they're trying to do to follow a landing plane. So it's, yes. you know, it's a yeah. little jiggly. But if you step through it frame by frame, you can kind of tell that it's it's not the five digit number that's on the plane of the uh, that they get out of, which is seven zero zero two five. It looks like a three digit number from what I can tell, but who knows? Okay. Again, right. really doesn't matter too much. Actually, it looks like it's three one two one, which happens to be the number on the front of the plane. So now that I'm looking at that, it it becomes a lot more obvious. So. <laughs> Anyway, see where's the script? Who's the script supervisor on this one? Where's why, our continuity why, checks why on did this they one? Not get that because they thought, who's going through this thing frame by frame? No, we're exactly. Not do that. I don't have the time. The other note I have is, as is so often done in Hollywood, to just give the location a little bit more of a nice look. They wet it all down, and as you can see from the tarmac, the area, especially the the wide high angle shot where we're looking at the area you can see very specifically where they wetted and where they didn't. And it's just one of those weird movie things that they do to just kind of give it a little more contrast in some of the dry areas like this. But it does look really weird. And every time I look at it, it's like, it's a really nice blue sky, pretty clouds (laughs) up there, and a huge wet area that doesn't make any sense at all. But hey, it works. It gives the film a look. So what are you going to do? Well, if anybody wants to become a millionaire, I guess if you could find a way to fabricate concrete and asphalt that always looked wet and had that <laughs> reflective service, Hollywood would invest in that because the amount of time and money they spend hosing down streets for night shots. Except for the Teamsters with the water trucks who will sabotage yes. everything that you do. <laughs> oh, it's a conspiracy. That's that's probably what it is. It, right. That's been an invention that's just been bought up and, and locked away because... Right. There's too much money to the be made with, with the Teamsters and their their trucks of water, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know it's it's something I I did not notice until you you brought that up. But it is one of those things that is just standard and people accept it. And I wonder if people would you know start to notice if somebody if we if we didn't have the damp. I think most people don't even realize. Yeah, I mean, no, I, until yeah. I knew that that's something that they did, I never yeah. noticed. And and oh. I go back to movies I've seen hundreds of times. Yeah. And I'm I start noticing. Oh, I didn't even notice the ground is all wet here. Oh. Why is the ground wet? There's no logical reason. But they see. Do. I I guess yeah. I got exposed to that information when I was much younger because my uncle was a stunt coordinator on the uh, Dukes of Hazard, and so I remember he was out visiting once, and he told me he said, yeah, you know, with you know, look when you're watching TV shows and movies, and it's it's nighttime. Look at the streets; they're always. It always has just rained or the streets are always wet and it's it's reflective, but it also you've got damp services and cards can can slide on those. There's all kinds of reasons. But I remember I must have been maybe ten or eleven, I think, when he mentioned oh, that to see. me and just looking at it and saying, Oh my gosh, yes, it is. And the traffic lights reflect off of it. It makes it so much more visually interesting. I didn't know it was a thing until I was in college making a short film. And uh, one of the guys on my set had had an internship with a company in Hollywood. And he said, we should really wet the streets down. It'll give it a look. And I'm like, really? Why would you do that? And he explained it to me. I'm like, well, that seems silly, but okay, let's do it. 
And so we did it. And I mean, it does work. It helps. Although I kept, it, it was just one of those things where then all of a sudden it's in my head. I'm always like, it just looks like it rained and it doesn't, it seems so weird yeah. to me, but yeah. And then you've got the water all, all around. <laughs> yeah. Why is everything is, wet? Why, well, the other thing is, yes, everything's wet and now you've got, you're going to be hauling in lights and everything else and everything else that requires electricity. And you've just doused everything with water. Well, and the other thing you learn is, <laughs> It once you start going down that path, yeah, you have oh. to like you're constantly out there. Okay, hold on, we got to hose got, it down again. Yep, yeah, you got to spray it's it. Like, oh, <laughs> this is never going to end. Why did we do this? Now you know why movies go over over time and over budget. <laughs> it's because of the wet roads. <laughs> oh man, well I don't have anything else for this minute. Do you? Uh, no, I don't. I think we we got through all of the pieces. I mean, Rhodey sort of disappears, as I said. We we focus on on Pepper and the, the new Tony taking us into Act Two. Yep. Well, Steve, thanks again for joining me today. Oh, I, I said I, I'm having a great time revisiting this movie and and picking it apart minute by minute. Remind everybody where they can find you online if they want to uh, chat with you out there. They can find me on the Twitter. I am at Mister underscore Steve twenty three. That's Mister M R. Uh, and that's where I am tweeting out uh, fun things about movies as I find them. And that's the uh, best place to find me online. Fantastic. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, make sure to subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room. And of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.